entertainment history 101. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the retro video games podcast live on allgames.com. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me from anywhere but Europe <laughs> is my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Jam Elias. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, Fred. It's great to be back. Um, I'm looking very much forward to the previous episode well, for the shenanigans that happened last week when I get a chance tomorrow. Yes, our gauntlet thrown with Mr. Trees. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing his voice again. Yeah, he's, he's a good cat. He's a good cat. Um, yeah, we had some fun with that. Also, you'll get to hear the new theme song. Uh, well, a, a version of the new theme song. I think mm. I'm going to rotate them in and out. Uh, Vil, uh, a great listener who sent that in, uh, did provide that for us. You'll find it's a little more 90s, and I kind of like that because I like to have the different eras. Um, but the other thing is it will be, and I know you guys are probably tired of hearing about it and just want to see me release it already, it will be the uh, theme song to Cron CD. I almost yeah. feel like I should take that opening. I've already created that part of the video. I'm just wrapping up some of the videos for the games themselves, and I'm wondering if I shouldn't just release that real quick as a fun little trailer. What do you think, Jam? I think that sounds great, yeah. Okay, so we will do that. If you guys want to, uh, I'll put the trailer up as a posting on GamingHistory101.com uh, probably you know, sometime this week. And uh, if you're on the YouTubes, I'll throw it up as the featured YouTube uh, for subscribers and non-subscribers and let people kind of see that. Uh, it's not going to give you a huge feel for stuff, but it will get to show off Vil's song, which is probably my favorite goal out of that. So, And we can kind of tease it, and I could tell you it's going to be out by the end of the week, which is my plan, but you guys know better, so we're just going to just it'll come out when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's the best way to put it. But uh, anyway, oh, what's up, Funk? We got lots of great uh, yep. chatters. In fact, I should point out, I've already mentioned it, but we are live on allgames.com every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and if you come join us, you can jump in the chat and be with a myriad of fun people, including, let's mm -hmm. see, tonight we've got interesting, some some different people, but we've got plenty of uh, classics. So we've got Yogi Zilla in, who uh, he comes and goes, so does Derek H. Um, but we've also got Hecht, Tiger Claw, Cy One, um, our only natural-born <laughs> Australian listener. Um, we've got Funk Junkie, a uh, mm -hmm. long-time listener, first-time joiner. No, I'm just kidding. He comes, he comes in a lot. Fortengar shows up after a long hiatus um Kossin. it's because we're talking about atlas i know hecht <laughs> and i i have a disclaimer before we get this show started but yes <laughs> uh and and there will be many more that uh add spiros in here there will be many more that we're talking about oh and andy i see pops in but uh anyway welcome all of you thank you for joining us and uh we should also hear on the recording side the show is going to be a little more balanced i've noticed i blurt out a lot louder than um than jam in a lot of episodes and i've been trying to figure it out and i realized i'm using the wrong level i'm looking at the main volume level instead of just listening to us sound balanced so hopefully we both sound pretty balanced but uh, and i'm going to try to yell less i tend to get really excited on podcasts and yell so hopefully this all balances everything out if it doesn't eh, fuck it i'll keep trying but for now <laughs> we're going to see but uh 
Jam, I'm looking over in the prize closet. Do we have a sponsor for this week? I was about to say, yeah, we do um, have a sponsor. This this week, the sponsor is Fantastic Forum. Um, uh, a lot better than the film that, well, the terrible Fan Forstick film that's released <laughs> this year. <laughs> we won't go into that, though, today. Um, <laughs> but these guys mostly focus on um, comics and geek talk. And their show is, of course, on allgames.com, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Fun fact, they are one of the best, if not the best, comic book podcast out there. Mm -hmm. Like sole comic book podcast, but anyway. Um, All right, so yes, as we talked about, this week is all about Atlas Games. So um, now, Jam, you had talked about why Atlas is um, pretty interesting in one regard because... uh, especially from a European standpoint, Atlas yeah. doesn't have as strong a present in your neck of the woods. They, they don't, they, but they do exist. You know, the, certainly their core titles like um, the Persona games are released under the Atlas title. And I'm um, doing a little bit of sort of background checking for some of the games that we're going to get to here. Um, it's more of the publishing side of things of Atlas where things get a bit odd um, yeah. over here in Europe where it, different companies will publish the atlas uh, the games that are usually published under atlas over in america basically um and i've I, it's i've i've looked into it but i've really not found much of a reason of why that is the case i guess it's maybe the maybe if we look at it from japan's point of view that maybe japan is just sort of outsourcing it to whichever publisher wants to um certainly some of the fan favorites over here uh, companies like infograms that will publish most of the atlas type games um, but obviously, because we are going to obviously delve more into sort of the retro side of things, but um, but it, but but they do even back sort of further. They did have a small presence, so it's very sporadic of Atlas. So it's quite fascinating with Europe. Uh, yeah, and I, I think one thing I can say to shed some light is that uh, Atlas does have an Atlas USA uh, yeah. branch and an Atlas uh, Japan branch. Uh, so that's probably a large portion <laughs> as to uh, what causes mm. it. But uh, you know, again. It, it really can be, you know, it really can. Let's see here. Uh, I think I may have fucked up when I got you that time, okay. Mr. Jam. Looks like Mom's Minutes at 7 p.m. on Mondays. Oh, Don't oh, miss no. that. <laughs> um, and Fantastic Forum is actually 10 p.m. Live on all games, Eastern Standard Time. I apologize, Fantastic Forum. I will confess I don't listen live. So I need to work on that just like all the rest of us do. But uh, <laughs> if anybody can, uh, yeah. Kossin, thank you very much for pointing that out. <laughs> so, say, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, so we can we can talk about it a little bit, but Fortingard says Atlas in Europe is a bit like Arc System Works in that they're probably too poor to set up a publishing side for themselves. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Atlas is a company that yeah. has a, ha- a past history, and it's not going to take too long to go through it because there's really nothing to tell. They're not as dramatic as, say, a Sega or an Activision. I think they're, uh, it's one of the ideal circumstances, right, where their games speak for themselves. Hmm. Um but uh, but yes, they've gone through many ownerships, and we will discuss that in kind of their branches. But there's no crazy stories about it, um, probably because they're a Japanese country, company. A lot of that stuff is is traditionally kept um, within the company. It just doesn't need to be anybody's business unless it's an investor thing, uh, which is why most of what we know is basically subsidiaries that they have been a part of, companies they've set up, games they've released, 
and financial situations they've been in dire or otherwise, uh, <laughs> which kind of explains why. And that's pretty much all you usually know about uh, Japanese-based companies. Here in America, we like to do CEO sit-downs in GQ and talk about corporate politics and make 700 fucking Steve Jobs movies. But for the rest of us... Yeah. <laughs> You know very little about the companies that are providing the products for you because really it doesn't matter at the end of the day when they're providing you a service. But, um, And kind of like you said, Jim, we should point out they are a development house as well as a publishing yeah. house. Uh, mm-hmm. That is distinct, and we are actually going to separate this show into two parts. Um, I want to give first and foremost uh, precedence to development. Um and a lot of these games you may not know were Atlas that developed them, and maybe a lot of them you did know. Um, so there's that. And then um, on the second part, we're going to let the chatters chime in, because I know that mm-hmm. uh, Fortingard's just dying too, and I'm sure there's plenty of you so out the there. Atlas. Yeah. 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 Um, Jam and myself, mm-hmm. and we're going to go kind of back and forth anecdotally talking about some of our beloved games published by Atlas, because... You know, if you don't know the difference, we'll just throw it out there real quick. Developers create games, publishers release and distribute games. So without the development side, the games would never exist. And without the publishing side, they'd never get to your console. (laughs) If you've never wondered why you can't get, I don't know, uh, Project Zero Four, otherwise known as Fatal Frame 4 in America, it's that nobody had the money or interest or balls to uh, localize it and uh, publish it in America or Europe. And I hate to say it, but that's probably a smart move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It probably wouldn't have done too well. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of how this works. So anyway, Jam, um, anything we want to say before... Uh, oh, actually, one last... Um, uh, uh, caveat is um, Jam I don't know about you but I am not as ingrained in the Atlas titles as people such as Fortingard or <laughs> hardcore Atlas fans would be um, is that an accurate statement for yourself or do you I have a secret I would say it's probably very similar fetch? to me okay. uh, because um, I mean I, I'm certainly aware of the yeah, well, I think probably for me, it's probably I'm more aware of the developed games, but certainly the published ones is a bit of a, you know, I'll, I'll be aware. Well, I am aware of a lot of the published games, but they just weren't published by Atlas. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that. And the reason I bring that up, and by the way, in the chat, Voss 5 goes, well, Fatal Frame 5 is coming to America, um, digital only. And that's uh-huh. true. He said came to America. I don't think it's out yet, but it's, it's on its way this week, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's true. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's the digital platform, right? Uh, digitally, we're seeing a lot of games yeah. come over from Japan. And finally, Nintendo has an appropriate digital platform <laughs> for people to feel confident about releasing there. <laughs> anyway. Because Nintendo likes Europe now, we get a physical version over here. So. I know. Suddenly, the NOE guy just starts fucking releasing everything. Operation Rainfall. <laughs> fall wasn't necessary in europe you guys got the games anyway Um, (laughs) but uh and you guys did get some of the project zero games in europe on the wii but uh yeah we got project zero two over here yeah um that being said uh the reason i'm bringing this up is because gaming history 101 is first and foremost kind of like an anecdotal cultural as well as as the name implies, it's Gaming History 101. We kind of graze on the surface of things. We go in depth when we can, but I've kind of gotten it down to where when we go too in depth, we tend to uh, do them as extra credits or you know, right? If we're talking about Sonic yeah. games, well, we're probably going to go in depth because it'd be like, well, there were seven games and peace out, you know? Um, and I know there are more than seven <laughs> Sonic games. <laughs> um, but uh, 
<clears throat> so we're going to kind of graze Atlas because, uh, as I'm sure most people can tell, this is a topic you could do a 10-hour-plus podcast on and just yep. get started with. Um, so this is going to be kind of a 101 thing. Now, Fortingard, I'm sure you will be providing background information, so please do whenever appropriate, and I will do my best, Jam and I will do our best, to integrate them into the show as well as everybody else out there. But um, I guess my, my statement is please be patient. If you're coming to the table with more Atlas knowledge and having played many more Atlas games than the average Joe like me and Jam, I don't think there will be inaccuracies in this show, but um, we're probably not going to get to the degree you want. And for that, I apologize, and we'll look into that. Perhaps Fortingard and I and all this stuff can can work on stuff. But um, Hect is asking about Fire Pro Wrestling. That one I can't recall. Uh, and no, they are not responsible nope. for Fire Pro Wrestling. Sorry. <laughs> I can find out who is, but just give me a minute. <laughs> 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 Anyway, so so yeah, with all that in mind, um, I don't know. What do you say, Jam? Should we kick this off? Let's get to it, yeah. All right, and this I should also point out this is kind of part of our October stuff. We haven't had too many articles in terms of volume going live, but um, it's going to be pretty much horror-based, yeah, from now on. Um, so definitely go check out the site if you'd like to, especially lots of video content going live. Um so definitely, you know, go check that out. And I apologize for the Condemned stuff. You know how I said that Condemned was really easy on the <laughs> director Drive Gamefly thing? Turns out that's bullshit. It was really easy to access and download it. But then when I get, went to put in the key, that didn't work so well. And then I needed to get it into compatibility mode for Windows 7 in order for it to both work with my X-Patter so I could use a controller and allow me to um, run the game. Windows 7 was the only one who was able to do all that stuff. And then for some reason, Shadowplay doesn't work. So my capture is a lot more difficult because I have to hook up my capture card. So it's been a little bit of a bitch. But I think I finally hit the ground running. Although if it pisses me off anymore, I'm going to go buy the 360 version and say, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so. Anyway, Heck says, human's the developer. There we go. Our good old friends who did um, Clock that. Tower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, all right. So... All right. Well, I guess with that, we'll kick it off. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay. Uh, I guess we can do the backgrounds. I don't know. You want to trade off a little bit? Uh, let's go right here. There you go. Are you looking at the document? Yep. See where I've yep. separated it? I'll do the first part. So. No problem. All right. So Atlas is a uh, Atlas is spelled A-T-L-U-S, just in case people are wondering. Don't look for the uh, – isn't he the Greek god? I don't know if it's AS or actually I think Atlas uh, with an AS an yeah. is where you find all your maps and Atlas with a US <laughs> is the the Greek or Roman or Norse god or whichever one of those it is maybe it's all of them I don't know. Is he um, in BioShock as well? Yes. <laughs> he shrugged. No, um anyway. Uh Atlas is a developer, publisher and distributor out of Japan founded in April of 1986. At the time, they developed the Famicom title Megami Tensei and eventually self-published the Super Famicom title Shin Megami Tensei. They continued to function on their own, even establishing Atlas USA in 1991 until eventually being purchased by Japanese toy company Takara in 2003. Now, I couldn't figure out if there was a financial issue associated with the purchase, but I'm betting this was the case, and my biggest reason for betting this was the case is because we will see, as Jam is about to get to, they are purchased a couple more times, and in every case it was they were in financial dire straits 
or their parent company was in financial dire, dire straits, which pretty much puts them in somewhat financial dire straits. Mm. Um, because as it turns out, Atlas is a very limited um, release company. They're very specialized in how much they release physical copies of things and, and various other yeah. items like that. So anyway. Um, in 2006, Index Holdings did step in and purchase Atlas, and it is on record that it saved the company from closure. Um, at that time, it was announced by CEO, this is where Fred needs to help me, uh, Shinji, Shinji Suzuki. <laughs> would be no, unaf- no, you, you, I think you got it. Uh, it? Oh, Shinichi, <laughs> sorry, Shinichi Suzuki. Shinichi Suzuki uh, would be unaffected and wouldn't change names. <laughs> So maintaining Atlas. Uh, uh, when Index ran his bankruptcy issues in 2013 and was sold Sega Sammy in September, who temporarily changed the company's name to Sega Dream Corporation before renaming it back to Atlas in April 2014. As of today, Atlas, or Atlas USA, remains subsidiaries of Sega. <laughs> yeah, so they are technically a Sega company. I had no idea Atlas was ever changed, even for six months. I didn't even know that, yeah. <laughs> To Sega Dream Corporation, I can imagine just like that CEO or whoever is still in charge, just being like, "You put that shit back." People know us as Atlas, especially in 2013. Mm. I find that fascinating and foolish. <laughs> so, um, and uh, it turns out, according to the chat, that uh, Atlas, the uh, god holding up the sky or the mythological yep. <laughs> character, uh, is spelled A T L A S. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Um. But uh, anyway, all right, so we're going to talk about their developed games. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through a list. I want people to know their developed games. So we'll tell you the game and development. Uh, We'll give a release date and uh, we'll give the platform and the regions it was released in. Again, these were developed by Atlas. So a lot of times they didn't publish it, especially early on. And uh, so they have no control over what regions it goes to. Mm. Um, But I want to bring this up. And this isn't all of them. This is just the ones we would know in the West. I hate to say it, but we're a Western-focused podcast. Uh, Actually, I don't hate to say it. We are a Western-focused podcast. (laughs) Europe and uh, U.S. is our focus. Um, So the only time these are brought up when they're not from our region is, you know, the other way around uh, uh, when it's uh, something even us over here know exists. Um, and we'll go into depth where we can. Um, and Jam, like I said, you'll we'll just go back and forth naming them off and then we'll mm-hmm. talk about whether or not, you know, either of us knows it. So um, anyway, would you like to open it up with the first game? So the first game, this will actually, yeah, this this has this will be a repeating game <laughs> a bit later oh, yeah. on. Which, uh, Digital Devil Story, uh, Megami Tensei. So the original one, uh, back yep. in um, uh, oh, because you, you do your dates backwards. I'm guessing is this is this September 11, oh, 87? <laughs> I put it in fucking American date structure. <laughs> Usually I write them out for Jam because of that, and I was moving so fast today. I didn't. I apologize. Oh, that's all right. It's all right. I just I just double checking, but uh, September eleventh. Yeah. yeah. Or or I could just say eighty seven. <laughs> Released in, only only in Japan though on the NES. Um, yeah. But I believe this has fan translations though. It does have fan translations. It was also re-released on the Super Famicom. Um, and uh, and then it's on... The Super Famicom port is actually on uh, the Virtual Console in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, yeah. And Jim, have you ever played this? I haven't played this original one, no. But um, it's... Um, this is like a very, very old school 
sort of you know RPG, I guess you know lots of micromanagement, kind of kind of first person perspective, I guess you call it. So uh, you know, yeah, it mixes kind of dungeon crawling stuff. Yeah, and I should point out this is the beginning of the the noted Mega Ten games. Um, yeah. I believe that was an internal studio is why they're called Mega Ten. Actually. Um, Fortingard, um, you're here. Why are the man- <laughs> Mega Ten games called the Mega Ten games? Um, but uh, yeah, these are role playing games in kind of the vein of wizardry. Uh, the first person perspective, as you're walking through, um, you have a combination of hit points, magic points, and ability points. Um, lots of leveling. Leveling, sorry. And when I say ability points, that means that the the power five from Dungeons and Dragons and other RPGs come into play here: strength, intelligence, uh, attack, dexterity, and luck. Yep. Seattle, <laughs> <laughs> nowhere near as uh, as useful as special as they are in in other ones. But um, anyway, uh, but yes, and these are very old school. They are very difficult. Um, and, uh, it's, it's interesting to also point out that, um, uh, that these are, uh, very, uh, demon and devil, as you can imagine, horror based games. So that's another interesting thing that people talk about is, uh, even in Japan back in 87, uh, this was notable because, um, people just didn't make games that were so kind of adult based. So... Um, so there's that, but, um, I don't know. There's other, there's other notable things. I, I haven't played too much of it. I, I really suck at this game. Um, no, but, I don't, I don't uh, do particularly well. <laughs> one thing that it does have that those who have played more recent Shimigami Tensei games, including Persona, which was kind of later weaved in, uh, to the, to the canon here as, as part of the group, um, is you can convince demons to join your side, even in this game. So, uh, oh, yeah, and then you can time. summon them to be used. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you can fuse two demons together in order to kind of level them up because your demons do not level up. So they're kind of stuck in time. So as time moves on, you'll obviously want to build them up. So, um, but, uh, should we come to say Nocturne is the hypest? Oh, there we go. <laughs> the Mega 10 games are called that because they are the Mega 10 games. I think that is the greatest answer I have ever been given. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so these are, these are very interesting games. Um, if you're looking for the remake, um, and you're looking it up, um, they were referred to as either, uh, the old Testament or, um, uh, digital devil story. Uh, no, I think they're just called, you know, Megami Tensei, digital devil story, the old Testament. So either way, um, you can look them up. You can definitely find them. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, also notable was when this came out, it, uh, was very popular, uh, in the likes of dragon quest and final fantasy. It didn't quite reach their popularity, but it was up there. So, yeah. so this game was liked right out of the gate, um, which I think is significant because, um, just because, I don't know, I guess I wouldn't have expected that, um, but it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, 
So yeah. Also, if you're looking back in history, I guess there were. Sorry, I just saw this. There's a PC88 and an MSX version from Telenet Japan, um, but they were stripped down versions. So you will want to look up either the Super Famicom or Famicom versions. So, um, but yeah. So also, Fortingard is giving a little background here. He said in the regular Shin Megami Tensei games, you have a demon genealogy that dictate what monsters you get. In Persona, it's replaced by Tarot Arcana. So there you go. And the tarot cards definitely play a large portion. Jam's getting a call. I hope they're more important <laughs> than we are. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah. So um, so that's Digital Devil Story uh, Megami Tensei. Um, and as always, if you're looking for fan translations, best place to start, romhacking.net. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, next up is a US-only game. Uh, surprising, actually. <laughs> well, if you... This is much like... Uh, oh, who was that publisher we were just recently talking about that did all the movie games, all the Hollywood games on microcomputers? Is it US Gold? Uh, Ocean. Um, Ocean. 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 Well, US Gold did do a lot of that sort of stuff as well. Ocean did a lot of um, um, movie tying games. Okay. Uh, and and whether uh, was Ocean the publisher or the developer? Do you recall? Ooh, okay. I I'm Ghani, so I want to help me with that one. I'm probably I am gonna I'm gonna say developer because of there's okay. a book that's released on them recently. So, but I could be wrong. Well, so yeah, and I don't want to keep people in suspense for too long, um, especially because of the game I'm about to talk about. If you live in the U.S. and you were around in the '80s, you probably know the next two games we're going to talk about. Otherwise, it's entirely possible you've never heard of or played them, and they are much cooler than they sound. But the first game is LJN published the Karate Kid licensed game. Came out November <laughs> holiday 1987 on the NES in North America. This game had really smart timing jam because 1987 would be the year where most kids got themselves an NES. Yeah. Um, I am no exception. I also was when, and all the good games were always bought up. By November, you couldn't find Castlevania or Mega Man. Uh, I don't even know if you could find Mega Man 2 at that point. So you ended up with shit like Karate Kid. Um, so, uh, But, you know, I, I had a soft spot for this game uh, growing up. Uh, now, Jam, yep. have you ever heard of or played this game? I know I have heard of Karate Kid. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of exposure of this game online. Yeah, and I'm guessing... Um, Tiger Claw says, I remember playing the Karate Kid game. It was hard. Yes, it was. Yep. Um, it actually is the Karate Kid Part 2, which is the other interesting factoid about this. It's um, called Karate Kid, though, isn't it? The yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason they... There were a lot of weird decisions made with stuff like this. Like, also, Goonies 2 came out in America, yep. and it was the sequel to not only the movie Goonies, but um, the Goonies Famicom game, mm. which we never got. And so why the fuck would you call it The Goonies 2 in that same vein? Why wouldn't you just call it Karate Kid Part 2? I think Karate Kid Part 2 came out this same year. Um, mm. And you couldn't listen to pop stations, which my mother forced me to listen to, without hearing Chicago's, you know, I am the man who will fight for your honor and whatnot. Um, Glory of Love is the song. It actually won an Academy Award in uh, 88, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, have you seen the Karate Kid movies, Jam? Oh yeah, yeah, the originals. Um, well, yeah, like they're, the they're, 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 they're all quite, yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't seen the the sort of the remake with Jackie Chan. So. No, 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 no. <laughs> so real quick, uh, basically, oh, there we go. Here's an angry video game nerd video. Of course there is, because yeah. old <laughs> Nintendo games that were kind of shittily made get slammed by the angry video game nerd because they're fodder. Um, but yeah, basically the game takes place. Uh, Karate Kid Part Two. If you've never seen the movie, uh, Daniel wins the competition, mm-hmm. and then. Um, ends up getting uh mr miyagi his trainer gets uh has to go out to okinawa where there is some family issues and there's a lot of introduction to honor and stuff like that and um daniel san gets to go with him and um this kind of introduces you to a not very realistic view of rural japan but it also gets it lets you see kind of you know a little bit of their culture the concept of you know businessmen honor yakuza you know things like that and uh, daniel basically falls in love with this uh, japanese girl and of course the super buff got like man boobs um skinny japanese dude uh who who wants her hand uh you know of course and happens to be the son of the guy who's harassing um you know mr miyagi's family um ends up getting involved and and there's a huge competition and whatnot well they've put this all in the game the game starts off with you fighting in the championships you do the crane to win and uh from the original movie and then you're fighting in okinawa and there is a scene where uh, you know, the famous scenes like catching a fly with chopsticks is in there. It's a mini game. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. breaking the ice with, you know, your, your, you know, your, your chop, um, as is uh, dodging the hammer with a blindfold on, saying, although yeah. you can see it, but it's impossible. The controls are clumsy. I'm guessing that's how they adjust for the blindfold. Um, and there is a hilarious scene because the end of the movie is during a hurricane um, where you are fighting a bunch of guys in a hurricane and it's great because there's wind blowing. So you're constantly being blown back, but there are birds who are flying against the wind and losing. I always remember that being really funny, um, <laughs> but it's a really hard game. I was able to beat it when I was a kid. Uh, Already. Wow. <laughs> but it was more of a timing thing. You just memorized yeah. what you had to do. It didn't have to do with any skill. Um, hated by most. And you'll mm. find it in bargain bins across America for like nothing. Um, but but and that never came out anywhere else. They did not release that anywhere else. So there is that. <laughs> but, Definitely uh, released over here, yeah. <laughs> and Jam, what was the next Atlas developed game? So the next Atlas game was Friday the thirteenth. Um, so if this is February of nineteen eighty nine. And this is just America only as well. Yes. Um, now, most people know this game. Are you familiar with this game? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've done a video if people want to see it. I, I think I've done a <laughs> review as well. I'm pretty sure I did a review on Gaming History 101. Um, because this game was just destroyed when it came out. Like, yeah. n- I remember reading Electronic Gaming Monthly or it might have been Game Buyer's Guide where they just slammed it. They just absolutely destroyed this game. Um, and it, it, time has been kind to it. Now if you look online, mm. people tend to have this newfound appreciation for it. Um, the biggest problem it had, which a lot of both NES and Japanese-based NES games, especially ones that only released in America, had, was you probably had a Japanese design team making a game. Then you gave it to an American publishing team, LJN touched this one as well, <laughs> who would play the game and try to figure out what was going on and make a bullshit guidebook from it. You know what I mean? So, Like an instruction manual. So it's possible that the people who made the instruction manual have no idea what the game's purpose was. 
But it turns out the game is actually a three-day scale where you play as camp counselors. And as the day goes on, you have to juggle protecting counselors, fighting Jason, and doing things that progress the day, that allow you to move on to the next day. And to be honest with you, until recently, I was never able to even make it to day two. Um, mm. Because there's like a Lost Woods where you have to find Jason's mother every time to finish the day. And that's really hard to do if you don't know exactly where to go. So, um, it's a game you need a guide for. <laughs> so. You need a guide, very specific instructions, and then you have to learn the timing. Because you'll fight Jason both in the side-scrolling area, where he's pretty easy. Like, I don't have too much of an issue with him in the side-scrolling. But then there are scenes where when you enter the cabins to protect kids, you will always protect them by getting to them before the timer runs out. And I just thought about this. They're killing kids. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's pretty adult yeah. for a US based game. But anyway. Um, and then now that I think about it, Atlas has no problem killing kids on a pretty general level. <laughs> um, but uh, when you find Jason there, it is a first person perspective, not completely unlike that in, um, in Punch Out. You know, kind of that scenario, only you can move left and right, and there's a dodge button. But it's very rhythm based, and you just need to get the rhythm down, and I never really have. So. Um, that game can be pretty cool. Um, and if you want to give it some time, it can have some value. It's another bargain bin one. You'll find it on the cheap all over America, unless you want it like sealed, which some people do. Um, and people have made countless videos talking about how much this game fucking sucks. And frankly, <laughs> I can't recall my take on it. I think my review was overall negative, even now with the newfound information. And that was kind of the purpose of the review, was to go back now with all the things people talked about. And I just said, for the average player, it's it's not great. So, I don't know. Anything else you would like to add, sir? I mean... Well, the only thing I was going to add is I believe that there was news today about them trying to kickstart a new Friday the 13th game. There is. We'll talk about it on B-Team, and I'm sure you guys talked about it on 42 Level 1. It has no relation to Atlas. Atlas is not going to do it, but it will be the first time it's been licensed um, since that game, I think. Wow. I believe. Officially licensed. There are some Mm -hmm. indie PS1-style graphics uh, Friday the 13th games out there if you guys want to try them. I've never played them, but they exist on indie sites, and uh, they run on pretty much any PC. Um, I should point out that... uh, What's up, B. Mulligans? He's just shown up. We are talking about Atlas as a developer and a publisher. Anyway, um, but in Friday the 13th, I should also point out the figure, the the actual purple Jason <laughs> that's in this game has become one of the most iconic figures. Um, and Fortingard pretty much sums up the other great part about it, which is throw rocks at zombies. You do a lot of throwing rocks at zombies. Yep. Probably stuff everybody, yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, moving on. Mm-hmm. The next one is uh, in a TurboGrafx-16 game. Mm came out march 4th 1989 you'll notice when it comes out in japan we have much more accurate release dates <laughs> this is weird because it came out in japan north america and europe i didn't even know there was TurboGrafx 16 in europe and it is it is it's very very rare very uncommon uh, apparently uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh, this game is uh, Dungeon Explorer. Mm-hmm. Now, Jam, this is not the only place where Dungeon Explorer came out, I believe, unless I'm getting it mixed up with a different thing. Are you familiar with Dungeon Explorer? I am, yes. Um, I actually have this on, um, the, 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 I think it's PSP and the PS3, I think. 
So you can, okay, you, you yes. can download this version. You can download this version on the PlayStation Network in both regions. Yes. Yes, you can. So, um, so what? Well, since you've played it and I've been talking about games, what is it? What do you, What do you think? So, yeah, yeah. Dungeon, Dungeon Explorer is a top-down um, view. I mean, I, the, the similarity I kind of drew to start with was kind of like, um, dare I say, ease from the from the Mars system. Yeah, I was um, going to say Gauntlet, but I think that's a bias yeah. because of how it works. I was thinking that too, but it, it doesn't quite. I guess it, it's fair. It is. It's, I guess it'll be a, a, probably a hybrid of the two. Might be a better comparison. Um, but there's a lot more depth to to this game, Dungeon Explorer. There's a lot of um, you know, there's there's stats. You know, you have agility, attack, strength. Uh, yes. Yeah, so let me let me point out. I was only thinking of the perspective, not the gameplay. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, like with Gauntlet, you can choose your sort of class and stuff, but unlike, but um, there's there's quite a few classes as well in this game. I remember, yeah, there's sort of there's you got witch, warlock, warrior, sort of all sorts of sort of different ones to choose from, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's a pretty straightforward game. You know, you literally just you go into dungeons, you clear them out, um, and, you know, and pretty much move on to the next one as well. I don't remember there being much of a story to this game. Um, which is something, obviously, Atlas is um, quite, you know, especially with, as the games develop a bit later, they, they do like to put their quite heavy emphasis on their story uh, into their games. Yeah, and um, I should point out real quick, Hudson mm-hmm. uh, published this, which you shouldn't be yeah. shocked. Hudson published almost 100% of the TurboGrafx-16 games that That's came right, over yeah. to the West. Um, and they really do a, a pretty shitty job, as I'm learning, of, um, of translating... Uh, and that's all they do. I would hardly <laughs> say they localized games. So, um, so while there's certain things like I don't know if you knew this, Jam, but like there's certain functions they all have. You know what I mean? So like um, the bishop can use the white potion, and it's got a ranged effect of healing everyone near him. Mm-hmm. But you might not know that. <laughs> you know, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> when you're using it. So yeah, that is that is definitely one thing. So, um. But uh, I should point out, I found out this is also on uh, the Wii. Oh, yeah. Very and supports the the uh, GameCube controller, surprisingly oh, really? enough. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Um, another thing of note to this jam, and I didn't know this because I've never done it, is you can play up to five players in the game. Yeah. That, I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, is you can just multiplayer, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, very much so. Um and uh and it's it it's in play in the newer versions that also i didn't know mm. yeah well, well, that's good yeah it well they they claim to again i'm using wikipedia just to get a feel for this release i always look at the wii to see version what we has missed. it wii mm. version has it they don't speak to the playstation one it's possible yeah. they didn't keep it in the playstation one because it's on psp but on that same regard that's not the first time that's happened. It's possible it is in there, and the PSP, they just acknowledge there's no way for yeah. a second mm. person to press start. Um, but, yeah, it's basically an... I don't know. I would say it's basically an action game. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing, get this, <laughs> dungeon <laughs> exploring. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much where it goes. Um and uh, I've I've never really given this game the time it deserves, but I fucked around with it a little bit. But um, I found it a little difficult. Yeah, yeah, it does ramp up in difficulty quite so. quickly. Um, but pa- I, I find it's a ton of fun. Passwords for your save. 
<laughs> fucking passwords for your safe. Of course. Um, I don't like that either. I should be used to it, but, you know, um, there are times where it's like, do I want to play Simon's Quest? No. Passwords. I don't want to play Simon's Quest. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, but cool. I'm glad you played this game. Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, this is a good game, but um, uh, I feel like Dungeon Explorer 2 gets more credit. And uh, Atlas was not involved in Dungeon Explorer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or pretty much any moving forward. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um, All right. Well, sir, what's up next? So we're going back uh, already to Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei 2. But this is three years later. So uh, released um, in April of 1990. Poor Jim. Um, he has to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> in Japan only, of course. Yeah, but of course there is um, there is English translations available. There most um, definitely online. is. Yeah, um, yep. um, pretty much the same thing I think with this game. It's obviously different setting. You know, the story's adjusted. I think there's a bit more of a kind of a futuristic sort of emphasis on the story this time. Um, they um, always had like mild cyberpunk themes, but yeah. uh, but yes, yes, I think I, I would say it's a little more upfront here. Mm. Um, but for the most part, this game is, um, this game is as much, like, I don't even know. I would say it is just an iterative sequel. And I have to point out that I say that only having read about the game. I sucked so bad that the first one <laughs> that I never, I never tried to jump into the second one. But almost everything I hear for quick, like, throwing it out there is that the, the game is essentially just a, a second quest uh, using you know basically the same engine and the same concepts, mm. and much in the same way it was released on the Super Famicom as well, um, and the Virtual Console version is the Super Famicom ones. I don't want to go too in depth, so I am going to just come out and say that we didn't. Uh, I have not looked up what differences were made to the gameplay, um, but I'm guessing not much. Uh, so. I'm guessing they just upgraded the music and the graphics. I'm gonna I go mean, music is the main set. thing, yeah. Well, and we all know I have a massive boner for that Sony chip, so of course I'm going <laughs> to back it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 to it's without downplaying it too much. It's an iterative sequel. So, um, all right, next up. This one is <laughs> nope. Actually, that is not done by Atlas. I'm sorry, that was a mistake. So I'm just going to jump down to the next one, Jam. Yep. Which is um, Rockin' Cats, released Fantastic April fifth, nineteen ninety one, on the NES in all three countries uh, or all three wow. regions. Yes, <laughs> did come out in your region. Um, now, Jam, have you ever seen, heard of, or played this game? I I know I never heard of this game, but I have seen some gameplay footage of it. You absolutely it, should. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I would recommend people. This is, <laughs> and Voss Five is making jokes about the fact that I am clearly aroused while doing my podcasting. <laughs> and a, a big shout out to si- Simon Belmont who jumped in uh, in the middle of us talking. But um, yeah, Rock and Cats is a side-scrolling uh, kind of action platformer. I would say more brawler than anything, but it really feels quite common to your Chippendales Rescue Rangers, your Darkwing Ducks, your your more license-heavy Disney Capcom titles of the era. Um, it comes out late 
you know, 1991, that's late in the NES uh, cycle. Um, and you're starting to get some very impressive looking mm-hmm. games. In fact, I would say it's most akin to Tiny Toon Adventures on the NES. I was actually going to say it, it shares a lot of similarities of Alex Kidd on the Mars system because of the whole punching sort of mechanic he has. Yes, because Rocking Cats has like the uh, the uh, boxing glove with the yeah. spring action yeah, as his weapon. Um and you know what? Get help. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, and and again, it's a little more nice of a game. I would say mm. it's it's very hard to beat, but it's a little nicer in that you have five hearts. Um, in terms of difficulty, I would compare it to Gremlins Two actually. And again, this is all really assuming you have a pretty hefty knowledge of the NES. So I apologize if you don't. If not, just fucking pick it up and just start playing it. Um, but it's a really good game and kind of a a a fun you know you're like a you're like a New York City era, era like twenties jazz cat you know and that's what I really <laughs> kind of yeah. liked about it um, and the soundtrack's pretty cool from an eight bit perspective um, and the other thing I'm really pissed off about is Bob Mackey played it for Retronauts and I'm not pissed off at him but I was really disappointed in that. Um, he kind of does some things for Retronauts, something I've been somewhat guilty of on Gaming History 101 I've tried to stray away from, which is just playing a game that he's somewhat familiar with but didn't play before he decided to suddenly live stream it and didn't think about like what could be in there or having any sort of context. So he just throws it into an emulator for about seven minutes, dies a bunch of times, and really has some issues talking about the game while playing it. And that doesn't really show the game off at all. Um, you'll get more out of it just booting it up. Um, so that kind of sucks. But uh, Rockin' Cats is definitely one of those uh, fun games from the NES era that will remind you how awesome that system got from Super Mario Brothers to this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, all right, sir. What's up next? Uh, yeah, now up next is Summer... Um, summer assault. Summer assault. Sorry. Summer assault. Or something. Yeah. No, it's course. not your yeah, fault. So. It's uh, <laughs> actually we could both be wrong, to be honest with you. <laughs> Which uh, is um, released in October of 1991 for the Graphics 16 in just Japan, North America. So no Europe this time. Uh, yes. And what's interesting <laughs> is um, Summer assault. I haven't played too much, but it's a joke. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh, a play on words, uh, basically, of uh, somersault. Somersault. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was thinking it's somersault. Um, but uh, it, it's pretty funny because you play a pharaoh who uh, who shoots shit <laughs> and is bright pink. I was going to say, you play a slinky. <laughs> oh, is that the name? Or you play as an actual slinky? <laughs> I that's why at least when you look at when you look at the gameplay of this fridge, it does look like you play as like a glorified slinky that shoots stuff. So You do. You think oh it goes my downstairs. god, you absolutely fucking do. Okay. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's a run and jump shooter with big bosses. It's pretty crazy. Um clearly I've never played this. In fact, this is making me want to look it up real quick. I want to know what price charting has to say about Summer absolutely. Assault. Uh but uh this one did not this one did not make the jump, uh, unfortunately, to, uh, um, to uh, what should I say, um, to 
um, Virtual Console, PSN, anything like that. This is this is one of those good old fashioned. <laughs> yeah, um, I love obscure gonna... games like this. Yeah, it's a weird obscure game, and you'll be surprised to know. I don't think. I don't think it uh, it's even in here, unless I'm misspelling assault, and I'm not. Um, yes, <laughs> it's it's not sold. Uh, I'm not seeing it anywhere. Let me see if eBay's got it, but. Uh, what a weird game. This is one of your... This is the emulation hotspot. Ding! Head on over to your favorite emulation site. Um, but yeah. So I think this is also one of those games that if you've got a... Holy shit. Yeah, this one's going to cost you some money. Um, yep. <laughs> looks like if you're getting it on Turbo Graphics cart only, you're spending about 70 to 150 bucks. And if you're willing to go PC Engine, nope, I don't see it anywhere on PC Engine. It's probably because it's got a different name. Um, there is a sealed copy right now if you want it for 210 bucks. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting game. Um, but uh, Fortingard says, for the most boring of children. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so interesting game. Um, probably not their best for their second attempt on... Uh, <laughs> On the TurboGrafx-16. Uh, graphically, though, it looks pretty cool. I mean, you're looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm looking at it. Yeah, graphically, it, was, it, was, it, it, it made use of the TurboGrafx-16, especially yeah, coming out colorful. in the time of the Famicom. So, anyway. The Slinky's pink. The Slinky <laughs> is pink. That's the name of the episode. Well. <laughs> this episode is now called The Slinky is Pink. So, um, Or Pink Slinky. No, if I call it that, no one will have any fucking clue what this is about. But anyway. Um, all right. Next up is December 25th, 1991. I believe that's a J- Japan-only release date. <laughs> is um, the lovely game uh, Wacky Racers. Or is it Races? Oh, Wacky Races. Released yep. only in America and in um, in Japan. Mm-hmm. I can tell you it's based off of a TV series, but I've never played it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, a very infamous uh, TV series from Hanna-Barbera. Uh, Hanna-Barbera, yeah. Hanna-Barbera, yeah. Um, but, but what's funny is you would have thought that uh, they did obviously do Wacky Races games later, but the TV show is obviously about racing and the game is not. <laughs> it's it's not, huh? <laughs> it's a platformer, of course. Sticking to what they know. Um, of course, yeah. Atlas's heyday was the side-scrolling platformer and the demonic horror uh, RPGs. That's what that's what they knew very well. So, um, so yeah. Uh, you basically, by- just play as Mutley, um, the famous chuckling character from the TV show, and you go through oh, various okay. levels and take out the race, the other racers who who are the bosses, basically. Oh, okay. I could see that premise working. This will probably be a fun emulation thing. Um, maybe I'll take a look at that. Again, not on a video or anything, but I'll just take a look at it for fun. Um, I, I'm starting to feel like NES, I don't know about you, but except for the deeper NES experiences, I'm starting to feel like NES games, especially ones like this, uh, can be reserved to the, much like Atari 2600 games. Do we really need to write about them, or should you just boot them up and give them the 15, 20 minutes to figure out if they're for you or not? Like, I'm starting to get to that point with NES. Mm. Um, anyway. 
Uh, so yes, uh, Mr. Jam, if you wouldn't mind moving on to the next one, and I've eliminated <laughs> one that uh, wasn't the oh, case. Right. So this is the next one. So. So next up, we go to the Game Boy this time. Um, this is Spud's Adventure, released in January of 1991, just for Japan and North America only. These um, are super rare games. Yeah. <laughs> this one and the next one. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Uh, I, I did that video series on, like, it's called A Diamond in the Rough. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is... Uh, this is definitely um, one of them. Um, so, but uh, yeah, here let me. Anyway, have you played this game or know anything? I haven't. About I it? haven't played this game, but this <laughs> not just not only are these games rare, but they are some of these are crazy concepts. They're just you know you just wouldn't see these sort of games made anymore. Um, you play as a potato. Yes, you do. <laughs> you very <laughs> much do. With a little hat on. And it's kind of like a, um, I guess, like a Zelda-esque. It's top-down perspective um, mm-hmm. with kind of shooting elements. So you, you, can, you, can, like, you can, like, sort of zap sort of enemies. And um, well, although I, I just said Zelda, I guess actually we should be more purist to Atlas and say it's more like kind of Dungeon Explorer in a way. It um, very much is. I was going to say it's, um, it's a semi-action RPG hybrid. Yeah. So... Um, very it, interesting looking yes yes the potato it's a potato <laughs> it's definitely a potato um but uh but yes this was 1991 if you don't know uh, uh was in america the year of vegetables being brought to life um <laughs> this was the same year i believe we got princess tomato in the salad kingdom right. uh, in 93 <laughs> actually that is on virtual console by the way um but uh yeah i don't know um, some people say it's a puzzle game. Some people say it's an RPG game. It really is mostly an RPG game, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it kind of bounces back and forth. But yeah, that that game um, runs a one hundred and seventy five dollar cart only price. So whoa, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking gonna run you some money. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Spud's adventure. Um, and keeping with the theme, actually, mm-hmm. um, vegetables. Yeah, their their second one is Amazing Tater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one is a puzzle game. So. Yes, yes, yes. It was. Um, it was not. Um, it was a sequel, actually, in Japan to Puzzle Boy. So this is a true blue puzzle game. Mm. Um, this one's rare, not as rare. It's not worth as much. Um, but uh, it's it's kind of like Lolo. Mm. It's 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 pretty close to Lolo, boxy, you know, thing, boxel, sorry, uh, things like that. But mostly Lolo. It, yeah. It's striking resemblance to it. Um, and somebody told me to check this out um, as oh, really? a substitute yeah. to Lolo once, and then I was like, well, but Lolo was on the Game Boy, so I'll just play Lolo. <laughs> <laughs> so um or Eggerland if you guys are big on your Japanese games Eggerland is what Lolo's known as in Japan but yeah so these are the this is um the fun you know potato outings that Atlas did <laughs> on the Game Boy you're welcome <laughs> You'll so. never see better vegetable games <laughs> Exactly so all right Jam what's up next 
Uh, well, up next is the is uh, we're going back to Shin Megami Tensei. So, but this one is just well, this is actually with... Shin Megami Tensei. This is the first one. Yeah. So this is the first Shin Megami Tensei game um, released for the Super Nintendo on October of 1992 in Japan only. That is correct. Yeah, you can just say the month if you want to. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so much easier. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, but yes, uh, and now Jam, this obviously Japan only. Mm-hmm. Tons of fan translations. Uh very easy to find basically is what i would say um but uh have you ever played this one no no i've not i i have played some i've played some shimmy and tennis games that they're a bit later on but not the sort of original sort of 16-bit ones but this is very much like the digital devil story sort of again it's first person perspective it's got well, it's got that sort of same theme to it, kind of cyberpunk, I guess you call it. Well, here's basically the way to look at it. Whereas uh, Megami Tensei is fighting demons to prevent the apocalypse, Shin Megami yeah. Tensei is post-apocalyptic. So yeah. we lose. Yep, yep, there you go. <laughs> Already bad ending. Um, and uh, and this started off a, a pretty hardcore um, RPG series. This really puts Atlas and the Shin Megami Tensei... Or, I, the Mega Ten games on the map, mm-hmm. so um, it has you fighting in very notable, true to life areas of Tokyo. Um, it has you fighting demons and even gods and devils, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you can imagine. Um, you are a bunch of kids, <laughs> so of course there's that, <laughs> um, and all of your Pokemon like. Uh, concepts are still there you can recruit demons you can summon them do things like that um and believe it or not uh this game um is is pretty notable because this was the first time atlas put together the money to both develop and publish this game mm-hmm. and they kind of talk about it if you listen to interviews where this was high risk high, re- high reward this was the make a make or break us boys kind of uh development so, um, that's significant in my opinion. Uh, you know, um, Atlas as we know, it may not be around today if it wasn't for something like that. Yeah. So, um, it also, I think solidifies the, the, the roots of their development that we are going to let demons and devils be in our games. We're going to let kids be in our games as heroes. We are going to, you know, bring the fantastical and fuse it with the real world. I mean, these, these concepts is kind of the genesis as to why we chose this, this uh, episode to be as part of our like horror stuff. Um, <coughs> I've heard it's a fantastic game and I have to sadly say I have not played it, <laughs> nor have I played any members of the series. And, uh, you know, in a, in a shocking form, cause we're not going to get to it and we probably shouldn't anyway. Um, Shin Megami Tensei 4 actually released in both our regions on the yep. 3DS. It did, yeah. So it's one of those things that went from never coming out anywhere else to coming here. Um, had fantastic review scores. Uh, Famitsu, um, you know, gave it a 36 out of 40. Um, back when they were apparently, you know, <laughs> um, n- you know, of notoriety. So, And uh, Fortingard has asked me to say SMT from now on, so I will. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, Fortigar says the Japanese aren't Americans, though. They don't rush their rice paper brobbles when they see a Satan. Yes, exactly. And I should point out that um, people have often... I've read articles where people speculate about all kinds of nefarious or crazy or money-wise reasons why this never came out in America. The reason it never came out in America is pretty cut and dry. There were two issues they had to solve. The first one was, um, how do you take Japanese text and turn it into American text? In many cases, that either shortened the game like we saw with Final Fantasy II, otherwise known as Final Fantasy IV, or you get massive carts like we see with Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy III slash six. They didn't have to solve that problem, though, Jam, because all of the demons and Satans and stuff violated Nintendo of America's uh, yep. <laughs> rules. And so they said, either you change all this shit uh, and you do it on your own development, or it doesn't come out here. And Atlas was pretty good with that, so it didn't come out here. <laughs> and uh, as we can see, that, that, that was long running. Nintendo only just recently with SMT4, I think, allowed that kind of shit. Before then, it really wasn't, uh, you know, that's that's an ongoing point of contention. Oh, no. I think I just lost Mr. Jam. Hold on real quick, guys. All right, folks, on the recording, we just came back, so there's probably like an instant cut to this. But uh, we've lost Jam in the call, but hopefully he'll be coming back in just a moment. Um, and when he does, he'll join us. But I wanted to burn through a couple of Atlas games because obviously SMT is the big one. Um, it's so big, in fact, that it gets ported to the TurboGrafx-16 uh, CD or PC Engine CD um, in the next year, in December of 1993. Um, at that same time, Shimigami Tensei 2, sorry, SMT 2 hits um, two years later, March of 1994. Um, and to my knowledge, there wasn't too much of a, a, a big jump. Again, I kind of want to keep it uh, hanging, if only because we may do the Mega 10 games at some point. So I just don't want to get too deep into them. So that's why I'm going to more what, what it meant to Atlas. Um, but their next game, surprisingly enough, was available in many regions, which was uh, in October of 1994, uh, they release Power Instinct, which is a fighting game, believe it or not. Um, that uh, was started by uh, by Atlas, um, and stop me if you've heard this. There are, yeah, wait, no, there are nine fighters from throughout the world that spar off. But this was on the SNES and the Mega Drive uh, or or Genesis, and um, it is a very uh, interesting game um, that I would say compares probably most to Fatal Fury. Um, but I never really cared for the game. So as quickly as I'm going to bring it up, I'm going to kind of shoot it down and say I didn't really care for it. But if you're interested... Um, I'm back. <laughs> welcome back, Jam. <Jen. laughs> Real quick, I'm going to ask you. You familiar with Power Instinct, the fighting game for the Mega Drive? The, the sort of street fighter kind of knockoff? Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you're not big on... Did you ever play it? I played an emulated version of this game. Did you care uh, for it? It wasn't released. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Uh, I, I want to move a little bit quicker uh, just to talk about what's on the map so that we can give a good probably like 30 minutes yeah. to the published games. But um, 
All right, uh, Jam, uh, we just got done with Power Instinct. Do you want to talk about what the next game is? <laughs> next game, believe it or not, Atlas did a virtual boy game. Uh, I'm guessing this was Japan. No, it wasn't in America. No, it was surprising. in America. We got uh, them all. So, got, we yeah. got all the so, virtual boy games. So, so Jack Bros, um, <laughs> September 1995. And, and we called it Jack Brothers, but yeah. I love the abbreviations. You, you get treats to a nice 3D Atlas logo when you boot it up. You do. <laughs> um, it's also significant because these are the Jack Frost demons from the SMT series. Mm-hmm. So that's the other interesting thing. Um, but uh, And it's a... It was uh, of the games that came out. It was very well received. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's got that, and it, they actually did make quite a good use of the Virtual Boy hardware because it did have that kind of, you could see the different levels of the dungeon when you're playing it. Yes, you could uh, think of, the best effect I can think of is um, between uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, between a Link Between Worlds, that yeah. kind of effect. You definitely get mm-hmm. that kind of effect on a, a little bit more scaled back version. Again, if you ever want to do this, you can just do the Virtual Boy emulator and Google yeah. Cardboard this and... Pfft, um, or me because I didn't really care for Google Cardboard. Uh, I've just still been emulating on my big screen standard def TV, uh, and you wear the red and blue um, glasses, and th- that's yeah. actually significant because they were monochromatic. All Virtual Boy games were all red anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and this this was a real isometric dungeon crawler, a la Gauntlet. I mean, I would say the biggest thing was Gauntlet. Um, and Voss Five says one of the seven Virtual Boy games. He's not far off. There uh, were like seventeen Virtual Boy games that, that yeah. were unique, and uh, this is one of the only ones worth playing. But uh, yeah, so this game's pretty cool. If you ever want to emulate the Virtual Boy, I highly recommend it. Um, the emulators mm. do both two D and three D emulations. So, and again, all you need is the paper, red and blue things. So, um, but next up, they're probably best known in America for their September twentieth, nineteen ninety six <laughs> release of. Revelations Persona, later to be renamed SMT Persona. Is is this the first Persona game? This is the first Persona game, yes. Mm. That sounds like a silly thing to say, because duh, because it's the first we mentioned, but I mean, just in no, case... No, because it starts off Revelations. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know really yeah. how to brand it in America. Um, and uh, I'm looking... Did you guys get it? I guess you guys didn't we, get it. We didn't get it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Did you guys ever get the re-releases or anything? I don't think it was the first one. We definitely got two, free, uh, two and three. Holy shit. Um, so y- the only way you can play that is on your US account? Yeah. Like PSP? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Or you yeah, can yeah. emulate it. That's a very yeah, good way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, have you played this game? Of course. No, I haven't played it. Though. Okay. And this <laughs> so, is going to save people a lot of time. Um, Jam may be aware of this already, but um, Revelations Persona is the beginning of what you probably know if you've ever played SMT Persona games um, in the American outlets or any of the versions ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it got ported around. You can get it on. Um, you can get it on PSP in America. Um, they did a. PS or a, a PS1 release in Japan on the PSN, I think, but I don't think we ever got it in America. Let me double check that. We did not. Okay. Um, and actually, I, I think it is just the PSP remakes. Uh, anyway, 
The reason I bring this whole thing up is I want to know how it sold, and I didn't look that up, so give me one quick second. Okay. Um, Persona sold in Japan 391,556 units, um, mm-hmm. making it the to- uh, number 21 in the top 100 best-selling games of the year. Persona was described at the time of its original Western release as a sleeper hit, but the PSP port was highly successful. Yeah. Um, estimated sales of just under 100,000. Um, See it best to receive there. Oh, those were estimated sales. They were oh, estimating okay. 50,000 in Japan, 35,000 in America, actually reached 160,000 in Japan and 49,000 in America. So while that doesn't seem too impressive... Mm. When you're planning for that amount of sales and you get like three times the amount, that's actually a very successful game. And you can now kind of get a feel for why Atlas is so tight-knit with their release numbers and whatnot and why digital is so important to them. Mm. But if you want to know what these games are about, they kind of take that theory. And as Jam has already – or Fortingard has already kind of mentioned, takes the tarot side of it. It takes it to the next level. There's talking with – the demons there's talking them out of fighting you there's recruiting them there's taunting them there are massive spreadsheets you have to use (laughs) to get through this hundred plus hour game it's fucking insane and if you want to read any more about it i did a very thorough over two thousand word article on this and the sequel that you can go check out on our website so you don't need too much depth but i think this is what really puts atlas and probably the smt series on the map for america maybe it's Mm -hmm. under the radar right now but it's getting there you know and uh, Mm -hmm. it's a big release for atlas so um i don't know jam anything else you want to say about persona before we kind of move on and again part of this is kept vague because um uh just because uh you know, we may do a Persona one too. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. allows us to not sh- blow our load too fast. But anyway, uh, Jam, anything you want to say about Persona? Well, Persona games have grown, got a massive following, um, even in, in the, especially in the West as well. Um, but wow. the, yes. <laughs> I don't know if the first two. <laughs> Persona two was pretty well liked in the West, but the first game I think was oddly received. Yeah, it was different. So. Yeah. Um, but but very long. <laughs> I could not believe how long that game was. That's why it works very well as a portable game. Shit. Yes, I should uh, point out I played the PSP. That's why I was saying remake. the PSP was the better version. Yeah, yeah. I, I played the PSP remake. I have not played the original. So. Mm-hmm. Um. So what's next up? So up next, uh, moving quickly. This is an interesting one. We're talking about Princess Crown, which yes. was a game. Um, released in December of 1997 for Japan only. This is significant because this is um, VanillaWare's, I think it's their first game. I could be wrong. It's not. It's actually the team that made Princess Crown that was responsible for much of the design scenarios, and this is why I brought it up, um, actually is responsible for, uh, they branch off after this and form VanillaWare. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so this is... yeah this is like a very talented group of um uh, of that and oh real quick Voss is talking about he didn't think he ever used a spreadsheet I'm just talking about the the PSP one seemed a little bit harder on normal and if you really want to use that game to 
recruiting everybody, figuring out everyone's weaknesses. It's more important in the second game, but it's still there in the first one. I needed some guidance in the beginning of that game, especially once you start getting into the boss battles. Anyway, but yes, so Princess Crown's significant for that reason, um, Mm -hmm. because uh, it's basically responsible for VanillaWare and the fact that VanillaWare is a core group of Atlas developers that branched off. Yeah. So... Um, um, yes. So if anyone's ever played um, Odin's Sphere or Dragon's Crown, this game pretty much mirrors those, really. It's a 2D kind of sort of side-scrolling kind of fighting game. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of phenomenal art style for the time as well, which hasn't really changed much since this game, <laughs> I should say. But... No, it hasn't. And the only thing that sucks is it even got a PSP remake, and they've oh, never really? localized it and brought it over here. That's a shame. Um, so that is one unfortunate side of it. Now, there are some people who say you can play through it, um, without needing that, but you are going to shoot yourself in the foot with the story. Yeah. Yes. Now the couple of questions I'm sure that one might ask is one, is there a fan translation? There have been many talked about some people started on the PSP. Some people started on the Saturn. No one has released one. To my knowledge. Um, There are, on the other hand, um, and Simon Belmont says loves Princess Crown on the Saturn. I haven't played it uh, Mm. yet, although I did pick it up. It's not that expensive for Saturn. Uh, Simon Belmont, if you can tell me, and actually PSP is region free. You could probably pick it up there too. Um, Simon Belmont, can you tell me, is is that quite playable without Japanese knowledge? Because uh, if it is, I've been told it is, um, you can play it and then just read a plot synopsis when you're done with it. So something to think about. But um, yeah, so that's a very significant one. Um, we're going to move forward. And Jam, I think we're going to stop at PS2. And I'm just okay. going to do yep. kind of a roundup. But real quick, a couple more games. Uh, they do the PS1 game Bomber World, Bomberman World. <laughs> I've not played this one, but it did come out in your neck of the woods, Jam. Um, yeah. I can tell you they worked with um, – is it Hudson who did this one? They, oh, I think yeah, they Hudson, Hudson is well known for the Bomberman series. But yeah. as I say, Fred, you don't really need to <laughs> – if, if you haven't played this, if you've played a Bomberman game, you've probably played this game. <laughs> so, but, there you go. Uh, but um, I guess the difference with this one is that it's a little bit more isometric this time. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't really care for the view of this one. I mean, you, the problem with Bomberman, it, well, I, I actually love the Bomberman series a lot. I, I love the simplicity of it, but this is this is the sort of the typical PS2, not PS2, PS1 era where they're trying to sort of make you know, make everything all pseudo 3D. Mm-hmm. So it's them basically messing with the formula that they didn't need to change. They didn't need to make it kind of this odd. I, I don't like this angle view. They did this a lot of games back in the day. Um, where it's just it's kind of like tilted to the side, right. <laughs> and it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't look right. The game is identical to most Bomberman games. You know, you have a single player, but obviously most people play Bomberman for the multiplayer. Um, but it doesn't have the, ob- the obviously the superior Saturn version, which obviously lets you play with goodness knows how many people on it. <laughs> I so, was gonna ask. Okay, no, it's because it's PlayStation One. I think you can play up to five people uh, with the multi tap. But that's that's as far as you can go. Um, but if you are a single player person, it's got a, like a little basically, you know, you go through the levels and eliminate all the enemies. Oh, actually, no, I don't think you have to do that in this one. I think you have to just get to the goal, 
um, mm-hmm. which is fine. But it's, it's, you, they're all pretty similar with these Bomberman games. But um, if you're a big hardcore Bomberman fan, this will probably won't be the one that you'll you'll warm to as much as the sort of the older like the SNES get the games from the SNES or the Turbo Graphics. Cool. In my opinion. <laughs> All right. Um, and we've got confirmation from Cy1, a I'm aware English-speaking Australian, um, who confirms that uh, you can play Princess Crown uh, without Japanese knowledge. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, a game you probably can't. Well, you probably could play, but next up is, and Jam, apparently this came out in your neck of the woods too. Uh, I've played <laughs> this. Really? I don't know if you have. Uh, it's Karsha, the World of Fate. I haven't played this. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know this came this out. This is a it. tactics game. 1998 uh-huh. on the PlayStation 1. Stop me if you've heard this. There were a lot of tactics games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Simon Belmont also chimes in and says he agrees. So everybody go play Princess Crown on the Saturn. Just buy a Saturn copy. They're cheap. Um relatively cheap i think 30 bucks maybe i don't actually damn it no i'm sorry i'm gonna just check it real quick uh-huh. um and of course this has no bearing on what you will pay for it um did you mention the um why you're doing that uh is it car Karsha? is that how you say it? Karsha. Well, well, well i call it Karsha or Karsha, Karsha yeah. maybe so this is march of 98 for the playstation one released everywhere um yeah, and like you've already said it already, Fred, it's, it is, it's, a ta- it's a tactics game. Um, well, and the reason we knew it in America, if you had a blockbuster by you, was because it was a blockbuster rental exclusive. It was kind of like Final Fight Guy. Um, okay, Princess Crown will run you a little bit more now. I paid 20 bucks for it, but it's looking like it's going for a little closer to um, 50 or 60 That's probably because Vanillaware interest is up these days. Um, mm-hmm. So sorry about that, but yeah, if you want to pick up a copy, um, clearly it's well worth it, uh, and I bet it's even cheaper on PSP. But before I say that, I'll check it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Karsha is pretty good. I remember having some fun with it, but I only rented it. And apparently, if you can find these blockbuster ones, oh yeah, the PSP right. version is going to run you more like twenty five. So mm-hmm. just so people know. Um, but uh, I like I like my tactics games. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you might want to check it out. Um, the uh the the if you're looking for the rare blockbuster one if you're wondering if you have it or not <laughs> the uh the retail disc version of this has foil letters the blockbuster one doesn't and the disc is blue if it's the blockbuster one uh. the regular disc is not um but what i can tell you is uh i yeah again i thought it was a pretty fun um you know tactical rpg um I think it got pretty good reviews back then. I remember like, you know, you read it and you're like, damn right. It was good. Um, <laughs> notable because it is on the Japanese PSN and because a tactics game, like once you get the basis to it, you could probably play it jam in Japanese. Um, yeah, it makes sense. So. I don't remember the plot being that important, but then again, knowing there's an American localized version, it could be worth it. Just grabbing, you know, uh, an emulated version. Mm-hmm. So, so Jam, tell me about Hell Knight on the PS One that came out apparently in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah, I know this this game, Hell Knight on PS One is. And I didn't again. This I didn't even know this game came out of here. Okay. <laughs> but I I kind of want to play this game because it's a horror game. Um, which which and I, and I do like my horror games. Um, it's a first person perspective game. Um kind of you know it, again this is this kind of like um odd kind of playstation one period where 
they've got the kind of the premise of the 3D right, but they're sort of they're sort of throwing in these kind of stick-on <laughs> kind of sort of scenes. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of cutscenes in this game, and a bit quite a bit of plot. Um, I I'm because I'm getting a bit confused with this game because I, I'm trying to look up this game on actually I was looking it up on eBay is actually to see because uh, see see if it was actually called Hell Knight over here um, in case of a little bit of confusion because I can't find this game for sale. Hell um, Knight is called that in Europe. Yes. Yeah, it was called that. It was here. Dark Messiah in Japan. Ah, so yeah, maybe that's why I was getting confused. Today. Yeah. Um, uh, I cannot find this game. I've for heard sale. good things about it, but. Is that <laughs> you, guys, you guys do recall, like, I was, um, uh, and this is a Konami collaboration, we should also point out. So, yeah. in the horror days of Silent uh, Hill coming out this same year, um, they're making this. Uh, the reason I, I've wanted to play it is, you know, I'm always into horror games. I have avoided it until now because it was Europe only, which, as Jam and I have kind of talked about, PAL games, not the greatest thing to play on your NTSC television. So, <laughs> but since I've since I've smoothed out my opinion on um, emulation, emulators don't give a fuck what region it's from. So, Hell Knight may be worthwhile. Um, so, yeah, I cannot find this game. <laughs> okay, well, there's there's no need to talk about a game we haven't played. I was just curious if you'd played it. Oh no, I've 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 not played it, but I kind of wish I kind of want to look it up though. Um, from from what I've um, read about it and seen so far, yeah, yeah it does it seem was. like one of those sort of like um, it's probably not that great. It's like <laughs> it's just more intrigue. Um, but any sort of you know, especially these sort of older games when they try to, especially after we just talked about Clock Tower as well, um, the first fear on PlayStation One, even though that was originally on the SNES, I do like sort of seeing these older sort of horror games that aren't sort of Resident Evil ripoffs. <laughs> To try to do their own thing yeah yeah and it, it might be worthwhile to just check it out um i again i had no idea it ever came out from what i'm seeing it's more of a kind of like a point and click kind of adventure sort of style but in the first person perspective and it takes place in nothing but uh sewers and <laughs> yeah yeah and underground exactly. stop me if you if you play persona <laughs> you know that that's uh kind of how you get around the city uh in in the original so um but uh Anyway, I was curious. I didn't know how rare it was. I'm betting it's probably pretty rare, though, being an Atlas game. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Okay, well, we <laughs> yeah, we'll just mention this one last because I've never played it, um, which is Make an X. This is a uh, known Dreamcast game. I know, go on, Dreamcast game, right? <laughs> yeah, 1031.99 is when it came out. So it came out at launch in all three regions. And Make an X, I hear people talk about all the time, although I've never played it. Have you, Jam? I've not played. I don't. Did, did, did they come over here as well? Goodness me! <laughs> All these um, European it's games. It's the only Atlas game that came out in your neck of the woods. It's a first-person a- slasher. I was about to say, is this a first-person game as well? And so. it is known for its shitty, shitty, shitty translation. I love it. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> this um, is definitely a game to track down. It's not hard to find in America. I can tell you right now, I pass it all the time. But everybody's That's just okay. told me it's a terrible game. Oh, fantastic. So, Even better. Yeah, Sold. So, <laughs> so. so apparently I'm going to eventually take this hit, but... Uh, yep oh we did wow it is actually in europe as well so because you know we have those um those beautiful blue boxes in europe for the dreamcast do yes Um, so 15 pound which isn't too bad actually for a but but it probably explains the quality i guess so (laughs) so you ready to see how rare hell knight is um (laughs) i can't 
seem to find it in most of the emulation sites I use, at least the UK version. The Japanese version is easy to find. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. I wonder who turned in the Wikipedia scan, which is the only reason why I'm so adamant that it did come out in PAL. But anyway, um, I'll keep doing some research here. But uh, yeah, crazy. I just, I just love the premise of this game, making a hex just a slasher free first person shooter game. Yeah, it's it sounds hilarious. It's, uh, I know I know it's probably terrible. I'm sure that the reviews are probably right, but I don't know. It's just that stuff always intrigues me. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think with that, we're mm -hmm. gonna probably uh, wrap up. There's a lot more. So really quick, just to talk about once you get into the PS2 era, they kind of go crazy. You yep. know, and there are a lot of well-known games. Uh, the Shin Megami Tensei series as a whole just branches out in all kinds of ways with Digital Devil Saga, Nocturne, um, uh, Devil Summoner, all this stuff, um, uh, which there's all different versions. Devil Survivor, all there's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's and loads. I know Fortingard <laughs> knows all about these, and I don't want to do it an injustice. In addition, it could be its own episode. Um, other notable things, Etrian Odyssey hits for mm -hmm. the DS. That's That gets a lot of popularity. Persona takes off. Um, and, uh, of course, um, the last one is Trauma Center. Yep. Very interesting Nintendo series. So, mm -hmm. um, where... It's a combination of storytelling and, of course, uh, performing different surgical uh, <laughs> trauma procedures. So, <laughs> We're special uh, powers. Oops, excuse me. Don't raise my voice. <laughs> yes, which, of course, are started by a pentagram. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so. what doctors really do when they go to med school. <laughs> um, hey, you skipped my Disney kitchen. I did. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that uh, you might be looking at published. I'm looking at developed. <laughs> Hold on. How dare we skip that game? <laughs> yeah, let me just make sure before I. My Disney Kitchen. Holy shit! It was. Was it, was it developed? It was developed by <laughs> That's them. Fantastic. I'm sorry. It's a PlayStation One game. Um, there's a video. <laughs> you can go check it out. Uh, let's see here. Um, the game is designed for young children to encourage creativity and improve observation skills. Contains several cooking appliances and food items, as well as a breakfast station and a cake-making station. The player can decorate the kitchen and change the wallpaper and the tablecloth. Yay. This looks like one of those um, old PC point-and-click adventure games that they did specifically for kids um, mm -hmm. back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um Voss says he, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, B. <laughs> Voss says uh, the Trauma Center games used to be so good. I actually even liked them on the Wii. They were just a lot oh, yeah. harder to be precise on the Wii. There's a, yeah, yeah, very hard on the Wii. Been, well, the, the second one on the Wii wasn't as bad. I think they, they finally realized that the, um, they finally realized the errors of the first, well, the first Wii game with that pentagram drawing. <laughs> yeah, but then they made it even harder with Trauma Team, which you guys didn't even get in your neck of the woods. Oh, uh, yeah, don't that one. <laughs> yeah, that one was fucking brutal. But, um, but yeah, I figured we would take these. It's going to be more like 20, 25 minutes, but we're going to take this last group of time to have jam and i kind of go back and forth and of course chatters feel free to chime in and we'll talk about them talking about some of our favorite games either developed or published by atlas so mm -hmm. 
All right, Jim, I will let you kick this off. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, because um, I haven't talked about this game before, <laughs> so this is a published one. It wasn't um, developed, um, and it wasn't even um, under in Europe. It wasn't even published um, by Atlas. It was obviously I'm trying to find out who it was published by. I'll get up and so basically, it's Crusader Ascenti, aka Soleil. Um, on ah, the Mega yes. Drive, yes. Uh, which you probably saw every, every people might have saw that one coming. Um, but uh, I've talked about it many, many times on the show before. I've even got a review up on Gaming History One One specifically about this game. But yeah, sort of top-down perspective, sort of Zelda-esque style game. Uh, here we go. So it was developer. Ooh, how to say it? Next Tech um, over here, and I think it's just it just published by Sega. It says in Europe. Because obviously it was um, um, published by Atlas in America, mm-hmm. but yeah, ridiculously rare for the for for you guys in America. This game very very expensive. Um, it is quite it's fairly rare over here, but I think it's actually easier to find a copy of it over here. Well, the other isn't name. Crusader of Senti? Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Crusader of Senti in the Genesis collection or something? No. Yeah, I think of Story of Four. Oh, yeah, God, I always get those. <laughs> I know they're not the same game in the any way. Yeah, yeah, okay. Wow, so also, this one's yeah. emulation or nothing, pretty much. Pretty much. I, I would say, yeah, I, this is really it, – because it, it, it goes for crazy amounts, especially in America. I mean, it, it's not so bad over here. I think you can probably get it for about £50. I'm, I'm very lucky because the copy I got, it cost me £8. That was back in years and years ago, <laughs> which is um, – Nice. Um, but, oh, real yeah. quick, found a legit yeah. – well-to-do copy i've not verified it for anything because i'm downloading it but of uh of uh, hell knight um oh yeah so yeah so nitro roms apparently but uh, anyway i don't want to advertise rom sites but apparently that's where you can find it so there we go um but uh, those of you in the chat so had you been in the chat are fortunate enough to get a uh, link um but i will i will check it for viruses as soon as it's done downloading (laughs) anyway but there's no crazy you know give you viruses kinds of advertising or anything on that site so there is that anyway sorry to interrupt you sir oh no no it's it's all good i was about to say what was one of your games oh um well i think i would be remiss if uh i didn't talk about uh, which one do i want to mention first Karate Kid again. <laughs> yes, Karate Kid. Fantastic yet again. No, um, I think I would be remiss if I didn't talk about probably one of the most touching Atlas uh, published games as well, which was um, Art Dink's uh, Ogre Battle, The March of the Ooh. Black Queen yeah. on the PlayStation 1. Um, this is actually a, a pretty rare PlayStation 1 game that has gotten easier to find and a little bit cheaper. It's going to run you about 40 50 um, but this game was just this very interesting um Simon Bowen says flashcards. Yes, I do have a Genesis one actually. <laughs> but uh um this is a, a very interesting first of all, Jam, have you played it before I start explaining too much? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. So Okay. So this is like kind of one of the earliest, you know, tactics games I was ever exposed to. Mm. But the reason I think it's most significant is that it's in real time. I was about to say, I've only played the PSP version. I don't know if that counts. Okay, but, yeah, yeah, let us clean together. <laughs> something yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. I've yeah. been told that's actually a much better version of the oh, game. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and again, this game did originally release on the SNES as well. Um, but that was really expensive and really hard to find. So I was just like, whatever. <laughs> um, 
but uh but yeah i i just really think everything about this game is great it's addictive it's um extremely uh, it fits in the ogre battle world so much and i think that's what i kind of liked about it was like you know during the day you're fighting you know regular creatures and then by night you're fighting like vampires and lichens and all this other crazy shit mm-hmm. um i don't know there was just it was just very cool to not only have a tactics game but a tactics game where your ability to move quickly assisted you in being successful at what you wanted to do right you kind of had to think ahead mm. um so i like i said i dug that um i dug a lot of that stuff um it's probably the reason why i've played this and hold it in such high regard versus um um versus uh what's it called um uh final fantasy tactics which everyone's giving me shit for not playing um (laughs) it just happened that i picked ogre battle back in the day and uh I just have never visited Final Fantasy Tactics. But to be fair, a lot of people haven't that did visit Tactics have not <laughs> tackled um, uh, Ogre Battle. But mm-hmm. I did buy um, uh, War of the Lions, whatever the Tactics remake on PSP. So maybe someday I'll get to it. But but yeah. Um, so uh, and real quick, Psy One is chiming in with Atlas say, yeah. did a nice little Transformer-ish side-scroller shooter on the Super Famicom called Armor Police Metal Jack. That sounds badass. Mm. So um, flashcard, uh, but <laughs> yeah, that uh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I'm guessing that was only in Japan, right? Uh, Let's try to that now. Yeah. yeah. Either way, um, sounds Japanese at least. So. Yeah. Uh, I think that's totally cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, I totally dig it. But uh, anyway, Armored Police Metal Jack. That's cool. Alice Um, is well known for ridiculously long titles. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, they don't want to. They don't want to blow the big stuff right off the bat, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I don't know, Jam. Why don't you go next? What's your next one? Uh, I'm going to just kind of like highlight this one because it was also mentioned in the chat a lot, which was um, the game that I've experienced through my American um, PlayStation. Oh, Cy1 says there is a US version of it. So oh, there, there you go. go. Um, through my American PSN account, which is Odin, Odin Sphere um, from, from VanillaWare, but obviously published by Atlas. It was also, ironically, released in Europe, but not under Atlas. <laughs> so, right, right. Surprise, surprise there. But, um, <laughs> um, so, pretty similar to Princess Crown. Uh, this is a sort of side scrolling, you know, just very good looking game um, in Gorgeous general. Game. Very, quite, quite sort of religious toned as well, I'd say, you know, sort of ref- with the references it has in it um but not just that the um the art style but the soundtrack i I mean i could be wrong princess crown probably does have a great soundtrack as well but this soundtrack uh odin's feel was fantastic um very sort of you know uh, which has also been featured on our top scores volume one i believe Mm, so i think so i think that was volume one mm. um yeah just i was just while I was, I was chatting, I was, I was seeing who published it in Europe. It doesn't actually say. So, well, maybe you know, maybe Alice did publish it over here. Um, I know that there is um, yeah, this. There's a, there's like an, a, a special edition of this that is coming. Out. It's due to come out on sort of PlayStation Network, and it's like a HD version of this game, and possibly you Vita next year. Um, but yep. not too sure. I don't think they've, have they confirmed it for um, the West, or is it? 
still Japan. I only. don't believe so. Yeah. yeah, that's the catch. By the way, that Hell Knight uh, comes up uh, uh, comes up virus free. So uh, Ooh, that that Square one's Enix. good. Over here. Okay. That's it. Square Enix. <laughs> So that Hell Knight thing uh, seems to work, uh, but I have not thrown it into an emulator to see if it actually plays. But I feel pretty confident it probably does. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yes, Odin Sphere is another one of those games that, like, it's it's so weird because, you know, the Vanillaware games that are really strong. I, we should point out, once Vanillaware broke off in what is probably a very good showing, Atlas continues to publish their games today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, if they're in New America, <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know. I guess the one exception was Ignition did um, Muramasa, the Demon Blade. But I think Atlas did the Vita version. Yeah, I think Atlas, Atlas did the Vita, did the Vita version. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, the reason I bring that up is yeah, out of the four gorgeous Atlas games, I've played Dragon's Crown and Muramasa, and I have not played Odin oh, Sphere wow. or Princess Crown. So, <laughs> oh, and uh, Simon Belmont says yes, it's confirmed. Oh, there you go. Yeah, if you go to atlas.com forward slash OST, um, Odin Sphere, what is it? Life Drasir. Oh, that's coming to America. Coming 2016 <laughs> to the Americas. Not Europe then. Don't get all bitchy, Jam. You've got a US <laughs> yeah. account. Your PS4 will play it, no problem. It is PS3, Vita, and PS4. Yeah. I'm hoping cross by, but guys, I wouldn't plan for that. Yeah, because um, they did do a Dragon's Crown, and that was both on Vita and. Um, uh, PS3. I think they later did it, though. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Maybe not. Yeah, no, I think they later did it. Yeah, I think they later allowed it. So maybe they will this time, but I'm going to get it on PS4 just in case, just to make sure it is absolutely the most gorgeous thing I've ever fucking laid eyes on. So, <laughs> um, But, uh, but yeah. Um, so you went for the easy one. I yeah, but I, I, it's also because I wanted to mention because it was mentioned in the chat earlier um, a few times. So, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think I may as well say it now. This is weird because I've never played this game, but I've heard many good things, so I feel confident in bringing it up. Which is, um, they are responsible for 3D Dot Game Heroes, yes. which is a PlayStation Three game that. Um, uh, that that comes to us from from software the guys who make demon and dark souls mm -hmm. and uh, i guess nowadays it would just be dark souls um is probably the best way to mention it yeah. um but uh but yeah they are responsible for publishing that and that is a big love letter to zelda it's with crazy game. box like uh digitized sprite art well no it's not really it's it's what you think voxels will look like but they're just big cubes mm. that create uh 3D stuff kind of kind of looks like the Mario Amiibo, uh, the Mario 30th <laughs> yeah, anniversary really... Amiibo. Yeah, so, but yeah, so, so there is that. Um, that's, a, that's a really really good game. I think I don't think really got the love it deserved as well. Um, back in... Oh, I'm sorry. I feel like this is going to be a great game for December. You mm. know, for those cold snowy days where you don't leave the house and there's a fire going. I think this will be a fun game to play through. Yeah. So. It's, it feels like, um, I don't know if you, I've, I've made this pretty clear yet, Jam, but I tend to be mostly beer and colder beverages in the spring and summer like most people, 
but when I go to the winter months, I tend to be warm beverages that are non-alcoholic. So that's mm-hmm. an interesting part of that. And I, I save certain really thought-provoking games. And I don't know if 3D.Game Heroes is that game, but no, for no, stuff no. like that, you know. Um, 3D.Game Heroes is a game that it it no, it's self-aware. We should say of what it is. Very. And it's quite um, yes. It's quite quirky, and I like it <laughs> so for that for that cool. reason. Cool. The game's not too long, is it? I think I've asked you this before. No, it's but... not. It's um, I. I the funny thing is, I haven't actually completed it yet because I kind of hit a wall towards the end. But it's like Zelda, where it's, I think it's, I think it's eight dungeons in it. Okay. But it's, you can breeze through it fairly quickly. Um, but it, but it's, it, it's, it does. If people are into the sort of thing, there is a bit of a creative aspect to it as well, where you can kind of you know customize your own character and stuff. And also, you can go on like like with um, some of the later Zelda titles. More like I'm more talking about sort of Link to the Past. You, if you you can get all these collectibles and upgrade your sword, so it can literally take over the entire screen. <laughs> I've heard that. Cool. <laughs> so. And Voss said, um, "I went through 3D Game Heroes as a mimic. So good and hard. I bet." Yeah. And B. Mulligan says you should drink Guinness. You can drink it all year long. Well, yes, sir. That's the exception, though, not the rule. Um, every every now and again, I'll have like a good stout, like a good coffee or chocolate stout, or you might catch me. I don't do that American bullshit where I put Irish cream in my coffee, but occasionally I'll throw in a good Irish whiskey in my <laughs> coffee. Um, but uh, anyway, um, that's that's a that's a. Uh, that's what you do Christmas morning before your relatives arrive and you have to tolerate them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, so, Jim, you're up next. Okay. I'm going to stick with the PS3 as well, um, or oh, wow. kind of Xbox 362. Um, and this oh, is... fuck. You're taking mine. Probably. <laughs> is it Atlas <laughs> is it developed? Yeah. Okay. You're taking mine. That's yeah. good. Well, I'm actually taking this um, for my partner, actually, um, um, Tendi, who um, mm-hmm. she really, really likes this game a lot. And I think it's quite interesting mentioning that because obviously she's female. <laughs> so um, because when this... Um, I can't see why a female wouldn't love this game. But, but well, it's interesting because when this game came out... Um, what I was listening to podcasts at the time that were saying, "Oh yeah, this is." The, the, it might have just been. It might be. I'm not going to mention which podcast they are, just not to cause controversy. But um, they they were saying this is not a game you play with your partner, blah blah blah, that sort of thing. But um, we we play this game together still to this day. We play the sort of versus mode in it where because oh, yeah, um, I didn't know anyone played that. <laughs> we, we we still play that that version. It's fantastic. Um, because I actually, I'm, from my own perspective, I kind of liked it um, for the puzzle element as well as the kind of, um, well, actually really pretty what this game is actually. It's like, some people call it like a pseudo dating kind of simulator. There's a lot of emphasis on story in this game. So very Atlas, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, lots of cutscenes, lots of, you get kind of like moral choices that question kind of relate, like what, what you would do in a relationship. And then it will show you the results of what other people chose, which is kind of cool. I always like that. But the main bulk of it is you're doing this kind of 3d tower sort of sliding puzzle game um and i'm i'm really into puzzle and that'll be when i when i bring up the next game um if we have time um we'll get to another one but i do like puzzle games a lot and this is very much a very different type of puzzle game that you don't expect it is very hard it is not easy near the so, end holy shit yeah exactly that, that i beat that crazy. game drunk and i still can't tell you how i did it I, I that just but i think i played it that last level for like ever 
we, it, it took the two of us together to, to f- finish that game. L- literally, a lot of it was like me either shouting at her or, or her and shouting And she looks at ahead, yeah, yeah. Yeah, saying, um, so, yeah, go that way, go this way, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what I think is cool and interesting about you guys playing that together is the fact that um, what that game deals with is some pretty adult issues that I think yep. a lot of... Um, I don't want to go too existential here, but a lot of adults are scared to tackle this subject especially in america but i'm betting europe is no exception Mm -hmm. um tackle the subject of infidelity your interest in um not growing up Mm -hmm. which most gamers can relate to and um and also just how you deal with being in love with one person or making a life decision with one person and wanting to i'm sorry to say but this is exactly what it's about fuck another Mm. And I don't think any person who enters into a lifelong relationship should fool themselves into thinking, I will freely admit right now, and my wife will openly as well. And we are open with it. That's why we found the plot of Catherine also fascinating and and, and very interesting. We'll both admit that we are a married couple that are very faithful and very monogamous, but we have both, hands down, since meeting each other and even since being married – had the desire to fuck somebody else in our lives. Like that's just something that will come about. You don't do it because you're dedicated and you have a monogamous relationship Mm. if that's your relationship. But I like that this kind of opens the door to having that discussion. And I think if you're going to have a strong relationship with somebody, you need to at least discuss the possibility that that could happen. Not infidelity, but just being drawn Mm. to somebody else. It's actually interesting not to talk too much about my personal life, but this sort of plainness um, with my partner who I've been with now for many, many years now. And um, um, I did, I was in a relationship before, sort of, this was years ago now, before sort of this, even before this game came along, um, with a partner who was very uncomfortable with this topic in terms of like what we just discussed. And, you know, ultimately, the, you know, our relationship didn't work out, but. When, so when I approached this game, because I knew what was about it, because of why I listened on the podcast, I was thinking, "Oh dear, am I going to get sort of a repeat of history?" <laughs> and no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that response at all. She was very, she, she, like you just said, Fred, like probably with your partner as well. You know, she nods her head and goes, "Yeah, you know, that's that's not that's that's what happens. You know, you do. Yeah, you have these things, and I, that's pretty much pro- might be the reason why I'm still with the same partner. <laughs> so well, it's those people that bottle it up that have a tendency to yeah. get caught sleeping with those those ex or those people the 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 more forbidden the fruit the more tempted you are to jump yeah um and uh, you know i've found and clearly you did too that being open about that assists you in dealing with that scenario Mm. the last thing you want to do is be sexually drawn to somebody and to make up for it you never you never like face that fact especially if you can do it with your partner would be ideal because if you just ignore that person, then there's no telling what will happen if you guys get, I don't know, stuck in a business trip together or find yourself in a city where your partners aren't there. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. You know, exactly. yeah. yeah, you want to just deal with it, discard it and move on. <laughs> and it can be done. It's very easy, actually. But anyway, so there you go. Yes, yeah, Simon Belmont, eyes wide shut. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, 
you know, and that is that is the last part of this, and I'll I'll, I'll walk away from it because, um, yeah. you know, there are probably people who are listening that aren't at that place in their oh, lives, and I don't want to get too heavy on you. But but yeah yeah, you can also take that and channel it into a much more healthy relationship with your current partner. Um, the desire for another person has always been able to be utilized with your current person if you just are open about it. But mm. anyway. We have run out of time, but I wanted to give honorable mentions over the yeah. next couple of minutes. Um, one is Rule of Rose, uh, the rarest PS2 <laughs> game, and I think it's even more rare in UK if it yeah, even came out at all. It's very rare over here. Okay. Yeah. Um, been, published by Atlas. <laughs> yeah, published by Atlas. I've been playing through it. It's a survival horror game that has some mild, um, creepy undertones. I, I can't really say I really see the... The sexual lesbian stuff too much but there is just a lot of really fucked up creepiness going on across the board and it's got this real weird british twist to it as well jam um (laughs) but uh i played through it i've got uh, i've played through part of it i should say about halfway through i believe voss was saying and i've got some videos up there i've decided to put this on the shelf this is kind of just a reminder that rarity is not always meaning it's the best but also You know, I'm playing through that game and I'm like, oh, I'm not really feeling this. There are other people who are watching that video that were like, I need to fucking play this game. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So realize, yeah, because their only issue with it was how I was playing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's that's where I say, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. So just because a game's worth a lot of money doesn't mean it's necessarily good, but it also means that maybe when it gets down to something like that, something is, um, as, as polarizing, I would say, as a rule of Rose you might need to experience it for yourself um but uh so yeah this was published by 505 games in europe i should say yeah. okay um how about you uh honorable mentions um yeah the yeah, so, obviously i briefly mentioned with Catherine, there's another puzzle game um a peel pop the peel pop fever <laughs> Puyo pop fever yes. <laughs> was um published by atlas but obviously not developed by atlas it was at, um this is obviously a very infamous sega title that a friend and i've talked about many 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 times on the podcast oh uh, the mean bean machine yes <laughs> yep just, yeah absolutely that's that's what it, it wasn't obviously um in europe it was published under sega actually so just sega just published the game themselves made sense because they did it sega did have a european um sort of uh, a European publisher over here. Um, yeah, there's it, it, not really much else to say really about Puyo Pop. It's you know, it's Mean Bean Machine. It's um, you know, dropping fun. <laughs> so, Sounds um, good. Oh, sorry. I know that, that, that that's very that, that's that's what I was pretty much saying about it. It's um, but, but you know, again, a great game to play with two people and or even. It, I, I think it sounds weird, but I even enjoy playing this game by myself. You know, just just flying through the. It's usually just like a pseudo versus version when you play against a computer. No um, shame in playing with yourself, Jam. I, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously not. Not um, the the main draw to this game is playing with people. I find it's it's just tons of fun. It's always just that one more go kind of mentality. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, Voss puts it very well. Rule of Rose is charmingly clunky. Yeah, should write <laughs> That's reviews. A great way of putting it, yeah. He he writes reviews, but anyway. Um, and uh, last for me, and I, unless you've got another one, since we started with you, I think we'll wrap with this one. Um, is uh, a 3DS game that recently oh, yeah. came out. Trees of all people from last week's episode turned me onto this game. Is Code of Princess, and the reason I like this is this is a brawler uh by the way it was only published in america by atlas jam and 
It is on your eShop. Say, yeah, I think I think it's I've only on your eShop, eShop yeah. but it yes, is a hack but... and slash game from today. But it's like branching paths, RPG elements, really cool detail. And all people in America seem to take away from it is, the chick's boobs are always out. <laughs> yeah, they're dressed pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. scantily. <laughs> I will give her credit there, but or rather take away credit from them for doing that. But um, that is not the draw of this game, and this game is pretty cool. Uh, I don't think it sells for too much, although it's an Atlas game, so maybe it's gone discontinued and sells for a lot. But it is on the eShop in Europe on eShop, right? and yeah. in America. So if you want it, you can pick it up for 20 30 bucks or whatever. I think I bought it for $40. Um, really cool game. And you know me, I'm a big old sucker for hack and slash. So it's your like Z-axis, Golden Axe type shit, and I really yeah, dig absolutely. it. Looking at the gameplay Any is- person who tells you they loved Dragon's Crown on PS Vita is a fucking fool for not picking this up. It's a great game, and it, it, I was really pleased to see it. And obviously must have done okay for them to re-release it, one digitally in Europe and digitally in America. So mm-hmm. they, they felt they could squeeze some more sales out of it, and I love to see it there, especially because... You know, I mean, these cartridge-based games just cost so much to manufacture. There's no real value in continuing to keep them on shelves. Whereas digitally, it can stay on that digital shelf forever. Or at least for a while. You might want to play it safe with Nintendo and just buy it real quick and download it and never throw away that SD card again. (laughs) But anyway, I think we're going to wrap up with that. Yeah, that's a good place to finish, yeah. Yes, and and I have Simon Belmont's... uh, approval for code of princess so there you go um but uh with that we're going to wrap up uh you can find us at gaminghistory101.com please be a part of our game club we are currently playing through condemned Condemned. criminal origins yes and uh footage will be going up if you don't want to play through it because again i acknowledge the fact that some people may not uh may not want to uh play games like that uh based purely because of their horror nature um and uh and yeah so keep up with that and we'll be back next week uh jam and i need to talk about what next week's episodes are but it will be horror based i can promise you that so (laughs) so we will get that going and stay tuned on the site so uh with that i don't know until next week peace out